Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, Badger fans, and welcome to another edition of Bucky's Fifth Podcast. As always, Tyler Hunt and Matt Bells here covering everything Wisconsin athletics. On today's show, we have finally made it to the finish line of the offseason. We are going to talk Penn State, Wisconsin to open the college football season for the Badgers. It's been a long offseason. Um, if you've listened at all, before we get into things, I just wanted to say thank you for uh, sticking with us and rocking with us all offseason. I know there were some times, and Matt can attest to this as well, there were some times this offseason where we didn't know what we were going to talk about. When the day started, we threw something together, and uh, hopefully you guys enjoyed it. And if you listened, um, we really do appreciate it. And now this, this now we get to get to the good stuff, which is talking football, previewing these games, getting excited for the college football season. So thank you again, and hopefully you guys will stick with us throughout this 2021 season. Matt, how are you today? I'm doing great, man. It is such an amazing feeling that there is college football. Um, I mean, as of tonight, um, on Thursday when you're listening to this, there's also football Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. It is a glorious thing, and I'm so excited that college football's back. Yeah, this this week one slate is is a beautiful thing, beautiful scene, ton of great games. Of course, Wisconsin-Penn State being the headliner for all of us, but a handful of others that uh, will certainly catch a lot of college football fans' eyes, so Great time of year, uh, early September, to get back into football season. But before we talk Penn State, we do have a little bit of news, some good news on one end and a some bit. really bad news um, <laughs> on the other end. So um, why don't we start with the bad news? And um, I'm sure if you're if you're active on Twitter, you likely saw this news, and, and that's the um, dismissal of running freshman running back Loyal Crawford and the suspension of freshman running back Antoine Roberts. Sounds like from the little bit of details and police reports we've got, um, there was an incident between the two um, involving also a knife and a weapon that way. So not something you want at all in general, especially not um, from two freshmen running back that showed uh, at least some promise coming into um, their respective careers. Really a weird incident. It's, you know, these these things, I guess, happen, but you really don't want them to happen, and you, you pr- hope and pray that they don't. Unfortunately, it got to a point um, where there was quite an incident with those two. So, what do you what do you make of and take from all of this? Because it's really a story that that came out of left field, but all of a sudden took a lot of attention away from, of course, the upcoming opener against Penn State. Yeah, I mean, the timing of this is, is you know silly season in terms of you're getting down to the end of fall camp. Um, pair of freshmen on the 22nd of August um, in. in 
who knows what the the true real story is. I know Loyal Crawford, freshman running back who was dismissed, um, took to Twitter to defend himself and say, hey, there's a lot more to this story. Um, Anton Roberts, the other freshman running back, um, has been suspended. So I think there's still moving pieces here. Um, but but it was interesting that the Badgers went with no comment. Here's here's what it is. I would anticipate that Paul Chris will be asked about it um, tomorrow when when he there's availability. But I mean, really, just just some boneheaded stuff here. Um, I I don't know what spurred it. I'm I'm assuming that it wouldn't be something um, little, but but really just. These are young people, and and really, it's just sad to see that that they've kind of thrown away an opportunity here. Um, I know that Roberts is is still um, technically on the team and everything, but man, what a poor way to start off your your career. And for um, for Crawford, he was a talented kid out of Eau Claire, so it's tough to see an in-state kid um, struggle with that. I know that there was some questionable stuff from high school that that came up about his social circle um, initially when they were recruiting him, but he got that cleaned up. So it's just really sad overall, and and I hope the best for both of them. But but at the same time, based off the information, I mean, a knife in a dorm room, uh, of odd dorm room, you're not going to be able to get away with that. I know Cropper was charged with disorderly conduct and disorderly conduct while armed. Um, and and who knows what exactly will will come with Anton Roberts? But at this point, I, I have a hard time seeing either of them having a, a a career with the Badgers based off of this kind of lapse in judgment. Yeah, really, just unfortunate for for all parties involved. You, you like you said, both of these players, um, you know, coming out of high school had promise. Um, I know, you know, I was, I remember watching tape, of course, on Antoine Roberts and Loyal Crawford, thought both of them, you know, there was a, a really good, good couple of gets, and um, hopefully they can both straighten out and, and figure out um, the next steps, and like you said, there, there's probably more to this story than what we've known, there, there most likely is, um, and of course, there's two sides to every story, but at the end of the day, it's certainly just an unfortunate situation for two young and promising players that we're, we're hoping to um, take their next step at the college level. So, uh, and, and of course, the timing, like you said, just not not great when there's other things going on. This is not what you want to be the center of attention for Wisconsin football with such a big contest coming up on Saturday. All right, yeah. the next piece. Oh, go ahead. You got anything more? I was just going to add, like now it makes it all the more important that Wisconsin took four running backs in this mm-hmm. class um, of the 2021 class when you consider that Braylon Allen's probably going to play. At least that's what. Paul Christ insinuated during the interview on Monday, but but really then you can then redshirt maybe Jackson Acker and you've got a, a nice stable and I, I coming into this fall there was you know a lot of bodies in that room but this kind of shakes things up a little bit and um, opens up potentially a scholarship for the following season so a lot of moving pieces I'm sure the dust will settle here as time goes on but. The distraction for game week is is not ideal. Not ideal at all. All right, we'll go ahead to the next piece of news, which is more positive for sure. Um, Wisconsin is hiring Stephen Scrum, formerly of Kent State, who was he was the director of player personnel over there. So with Saeed Khalif, of course, taking off to Michigan State, we've talked about it a little bit that there was maybe some um, openings there, and you wondered what Wisconsin was going to go ahead and do. It looks like they found their guy to at least help in part of that. Um, certainly a strong get for the Badgers to start getting that position back up and running because I know the attention right now is, of course, on the, the football season, but recruiting isn't something you can just put on the back, back burner and, and get back to later. So 
What do you make of, of that hire and Wisconsin getting back to that focus on the recruiting personnel? In, in looking at it, it, this is all according to um, Football Scoop and really just looking at this this guy's uh, LinkedIn profile, which is always fun to, to dive into. Um, graduated from Florida, has some, has some time in the NFL with the Baltimore Ravens as a scouting intern and then as a, a player personnel intern. Um, but then he's kind of bounced around with Maryland, Florida, um, and, and Northwestern, Akron, Syracuse, Kent State the last three years as their, their player personnel director. So he, he's got a good amount of experience, most of which has been in recruiting, specifically um, when you look at his last five jobs um, at, at Towson, Northwestern, Akron, Syracuse, and Kent State, all involving recruiting. I don't know if he's going to be the director with the Badgers, similar to what um, Khalif was. But at the same time, I think it's a solid hire for us in terms of a staffer, just given the fact that he has spent a lot of time in scouting and recruiting for across college football and as well as in the pros. I, th- I think that that added um, ability to to have seen it at the next level as well is important. Yeah, and it's nice. I, I think Wisconsin here, when we talk about um, we talked about this position a little bit in the past um, with them. We were kind of wondering when it was going to be, who it was going to be eventually to take at least some of that load and pick that part up. Uh, I'm glad that they took their time. It seems like they went out and, and did their due diligence, found a, a guy that they felt good about, and hopefully that will allow them to set themselves up as they move forward because that was, I know it's not, like again, not on the front of everybody's mind, but that's recruiting, and, and recruiting personnel is a huge piece. And, and kudos to Wisconsin for getting through this awkward time with, with a little bit shorthanded, but now you want to make sure you've got the places in peace to move forward here. Especially with such a huge recruiting weekend this weekend, as well as Junior Day's firing up today. Um, I, I think it's, it makes sense that the announcement came today. I mean, it wasn't in a formal announcement by UW, but I doubt they will actually put together an, an official announcement. But, but it, he's got his Twitter updated to it as well. So I, it seems like it's trending in that direction. There you have it. All right, that wraps up the news. So why don't we go into some game action, Wisconsin opening up the season against Penn State. So just to give you guys a reminder of how our game preview episodes work, Matt and I will, of course, talk through the game, talk expectations um, for both sides of the ball, everything like that. We'll go through some score predictions. We'll do some Big Ten picks at the end. Then in the back half of the show, we have an interview with a usually an insider from our sister website or someone familiar with the uh, opponent program. Today we have Bill Dilafippo. Um, he's with Upper Rocks and Roar Lions Roar. Um, he, came, he came on the show and, and gave some good insight to what Penn State will look like this year because the moving pieces for them, um, a new offensive coordinator and, and a whole do- a bunch of new faces, especially up front on the defensive line. So um, we'll get into that in the back half of the show, but we'll start for us, I mean, coming into this game, I think this game is, is super intriguing. Um, you've got both teams that had down years compared to their history. I mean, usually you're talking about Penn State and Wisconsin. You're talking about 9, 10, 11 win seasons that um, you're, you're contending for division titles and you're a team you know, high up in the top 25. Didn't have that last year, of course. Wisconsin very much up and down. Penn State started the year um, very low, 0-5, came back and won four straight against um, some of the bottom feeders of, of the Big Ten. But they're still coming into this game um, riding high with that win streak, some changes. But overall, what are your, your feelings, expectations, kind of just kind of thoughts on the season opener? 
I mean, this is this is one of the bigger season openers that I can imagine. I, I know you can you can go back to LSU um, and some of the other times where they've played a, a major opponent to to open up the season, but really the fact that this is a conference game. Um, against a team that that is of similar caliber, really talented team as well. And, and I think this is one of those games that can really make or break your season in a lot of ways right off the jump. And and I was talking to my brothers a little bit, and we were texting, and this is the type of game that you should know a lot about the Badgers after this game, um, assuming that Penn State is, is improved from a year ago. There's just so many question marks for both teams on offense. Um, Penn State, entirely new offensive coordinating staff, their third offensive coordinator in three years. For the Badgers, you've, you've got guys back healthy. What can they contribute? What is What kind of difference does that make from a team that was inconsistent at times running the ball and consistent at times throwing the ball? Um, and, and just what does the defense look like? Are they able to replicate 2019, 2017, and really putting that together? I, I think there's a lot of storylines in this game that I think are going to go a long way, and I'm just excited to see it uh, in person, and and I think that it's going to be a hell of a game overall. Yeah, I think the excitement is really high. We've, we've talked so much this offseason about different situations, but now we get to see it, and of course, been to practice, but until you see it in a game action, um, it's hard to really know what exactly this team is going to be, and, and like you said, I, I think a lot of questions will be answered, and and the team that does come out on top can can really get a, a big jump on the season because this is a, a high high quality top twenty five win that um, if you lose your your back certainly against the wall but if you win you're set up really well moving forward so why don't we start with the Wisconsin offense um, of course that was the unit that struggled quite a bit more but you hope and we've talked about it we don't need to go in depth of what Wisconsin's offense will be you guys know um, and we've previewed it a lot but this Penn State defense comes into the season. I think it looks like a pretty strong secondary linebacker, a lot of familiarity there. Up front is, is really the question for them. A lot of new faces on the defensive line. I believe of the, the 21 sacks they had last year, half of them were from guys that have now either you know moved on to the next level or left the program. So there's definitely some replacement that will need to be done there for Penn State. So with Wisconsin's offense coming in, some unknowns there, some unknowns against the unit they're going against. How do you expect Wisconsin's offense to approach um, taking it to this Penn State defense? I anticipate that the Badgers are going to really try to attack the middle, uh, or I mean, and the outsides of of the running game. I think Wisconsin has has maybe an upper hand in with their offensive line compared to the defensive line with Penn State. When you when you look at the fact that they lost their top returning defensive end. Um, to an injury for the season. Um, they are replacing so many of those their edge rushers, as well as the Badgers just have a couple guys inside that can really quickly get off the ball in Joe Tittman as well as Jack Nelson. And I think that Wisconsin is going to have um, some room to run the ball, hopefully, against this team. That was something that Penn State struggled with a little bit last year at times. Um, they, you know, Overall, their total defense, they were in the top 20. But um, rushing defense, they were 26th, um, and and at times they struggled with tackling, especially early in the season. So I think Wisconsin, if they're able to establish the run early, it would really help this offense out. And I think that that's going to be something that they're really going to go out of their way to do um, based off of the fact that they struggled with it last year. There was times where they were inconsistent in being able to churn out five yards a carry 
Um, but I think that this offensive line, which is a little younger, a little bit more retooled, um, should be should be solid. And I think that they have the advantage against Penn State's um, front four. At Penn State's got some really talented linebackers that I think can help plug some of those holes. But but overall, I do think that that's going to be something to watch. Penn State's got a solid secondary, though, and, and a lot of veterans, a lot of bodies and depth back there. I, I'm also fascinated to see um, just how much the Badgers let it rip in the passing game or if they do kind of just try to, to keep things simple and try to run the ball at Penn State because I do think that's where their advantage lies. Yeah, I, I think overall the, the play calling is, is going to be a fascinating thing to pay attention to. Of course, Paul Chris taking back over the play calling. I, I've always thought he has a really good understanding of the, the flow of a game, You know when to hit him with a run, when to, when to go with a play action, when to go with the pass, mix it up. You know, maybe, um, you know, throwing the ball and running down, vice versa, um, especially when, when you get Paul, you know, aggressive Paul Chris, it's a really fun sight to watch, but I don't know how, how, how much he'll open that up early on. And so I think it, it'll be important to try and, and find that balance, establish the run, and, and, but also keep that defensive line that is, is young and, and new and inexperienced, um, you know, on their toes a little bit. So I, I think the run game is going to be super important. But I, I think in terms of how they attack, it's it's probably a mixed bag. But I think that's a, a good thing because you're going to hopefully keep that Penn State defense guessing a little bit. Because I, I think when you look at the the young parts that they have, they're still super talented. This is a Penn State team and, and a Penn State program that has recruited really well over the last couple of years. So these guys aren't slouches in there. If if they have the ability to just pin their ears back and rush the passer, that that they'll be able to pick that up, no problem. But if Paul Chris is, is trying to hit them with different things, different looks, you know, running the ball, maybe some screens and, and things like that, I think you'll be set up to, to really hopefully get this offense um, sparked a little bit after last year where they were stagnant and, and sometimes over-reliant on the pass just, just out of pure necessity. Yeah, and Wisconsin does their best in the passing game when it's coming off of play action and, which, and when they're, they're being variable in their attack. If, if Wisconsin has to just drop back, like you mentioned, it doesn't matter if, if they're inexperienced edge rushers. Penn State's going to take advantage of that, and, and especially given how, how talented Penn State's secondary is. So I, I agree with you. I just think running the ball is going to be incredibly important in this game, and Wisconsin needs to be able to do it um, at, at a good clip because Ches Malusi is, is going to be – taking on a very different role than what he's accustomed to. But I do think that they need to get the ball in, in his hands as well as Berger's hands in, in multiple ways. All right, why don't we go ahead and take a look now at the Wisconsin defense. So this Penn State offense comes in, of course, head headlined with, with Sean Clifford, Jahan Dotson at wide receiver, two guys that have played a lot of football for them. But they're in their third offensive system um, in three years with offensive coordinator uh, Mike Yurkich, who if you guys aren't familiar with, he was previously with Texas, Ohio State, and then Oklahoma State, known for really explosive offenses. Um, and, of course, James Franklin brought him in to try and bring some of that explosiveness to the Nittany Lions because last year they really didn't have uh, a ton of big explosive plays. Sean Clifford struggled. The offensive line struggled a little bit. Um, so how that new system is, is going to go is going to be fascinating because you really don't, I mean, you can go back and watch tapes. Uh, you know, of course, last year the system that the, you know, that Texas ran was this system, but it's hard to really take that and, and be able to just pick it piece for piece on what they're going to do. So how do you think Wisconsin's defense will try to stop this? Because you know Penn State is going to look for those explosive plays and, and try to get the ball 
in some of their, their strong receivers and running backs' hands early and often. Yeah, Penn State's going to want to run the ball. They've got a, um, a, the luxury of having a bunch of talented tailbacks, um, including Noah Kane, who's back healthy. But I'm interested to see how the Badgers do against that interior off the offensive line of Penn State. Penn State has, has kind of um, some things up in the air in that, in that interior. They're going to be still mixing some guys in. At, at guard and center. So can Wisconsin, can Keanu Benton, can Leo Chanel up the middle on some, some blitzes take advantage of that and, and get into the backfield to, to put some pressure on, on Sean Clifford, who, who did struggle at times last year when pressure was in his face. That's when he, he, that led to interceptions, that led to inaccuracy. So I think that's going to be the, the big thing is that Jim Leonard's going to probably bring it, bring pressure and bring it up the middle where, where they're the, um, least fortified because they're all, their tackles are solid. They're they're really mm-hmm. talented kids. Those are both four star kids that um, have high ceilings. Both potential NFL guys, um, but the interior, I think they're a little bit weaker. So I think that's where they're gonna they're gonna attack it. But but I think really this is gonna come down to can they stop the um, the two wide receivers outside, specifically Jahan Dotson, who's one of the top wide receivers in the Big Ten, elite quickness really good in and out of his breaks. I mean, he, he is a, he's a dude, um, whether he's in as a wide receiver or as a punt returner. He, he's, a, he's a game tilter. And so I think Wisconsin is going to really have to shadow him. Maybe they have a guy like Fayon Hicks on him at all times, um, or, or, or maybe that goes across the board and they, they shift some things. But, but I think that they're going to have to bracket him. They're going to have to do a lot and force Sean Clifford to beat you because um, Clifford has shown an ability to run at times, but we haven't necessarily seen Clifford take that next step as a quarterback and be a, a, beat, a guy who's going to put you on his back and win you a game. So force him to do it because you want to shut down that running attack and Jahan Dotson. Yeah, it's certainly a, a really strong um, offense in the skill positions. Um, you look at I mean, this is probably – in terms of the Wisconsin secondary and, and the wide receivers that they face, this is probably the best wideout group that they might see all season, maybe Notre Dame, and probably the best group they've seen since Ohio State in the Big Ten title game a couple of years ago. I mean, last year there weren't a ton. Indiana last year, but, of course, they were banged up at quarterback, so um, that was that was a good test. But this will be a really good test for the secondary, which I, I think will be pretty strong, but they're going to be going against – um, some really good wideouts, and you know it's not just one. They've got a couple. They've got a couple running backs, so it likely comes down to that offensive line, and of course Sean Clifford, who we've we've mentioned a little bit, had um, in it uh, a rough year, you know, in and out last year, um, you know, with Will Levis their backup uh, a year ago. Um, so it's going to be a, a fascinating matchup to watch from a lot of different aspects. So to to kind of focus in on that, what is like the one key thing you're watching for, or or the one key matchup that you're going to have your eyes on Saturday? I'm watching Jahan Dotson versus Wisconsin secondary. I kind of wrote about that a little bit earlier today. And, and I mean, he's a low 4-3 speedster. He, he can do a lot when he gets the ball in his hand. So, one, can Wisconsin limit his touches? And, two, can they bring him down in the open field when he does get the opportunity to have the ball in his hands? Because I still remember the tackling woes that this team had in 2013 when the, the Badgers dropped that game. Again, they shouldn't have lost in any which way against Penn State and Christian Hackenberg. So mm-hmm. I think that's what I'm watching is is can they stop that guy? Because he's the guy that's going to beat you where they can just throw it to him and let him do his thing. 
But if Wisconsin can limit his touches, I think the ground game isn't going to be able to move Wisconsin as much as as they would like. I think the Wisconsin's front seven is just too stout for that. It's going to rely on the arm of Clifford, and Wisconsin needs to make sure that he's having to throw to people other than Dotson. Because Parker Washington's a really talented player and a player that Wisconsin fans will probably remember because he took an official visit to to the Badgers. But but at the same time, he is not as talented as Jahan Dotson. Jahan Dotson is is one of the best in the country, and Wisconsin's going to have their hands full. But but I think that's the thing is is you got to tackle well. You cannot let him get in the open field like Ishmar um, Smith. Marset from Iowa did um, last year where he was mm-hmm. just able to, to, you know, pick the Badgers apart. They've got to tackle well, and, and that starts this Saturday. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Um, I think that's the one that you, you have to keep your eye on. A, a couple others, I, I think the other big battle is going to be, you know, it's Big Ten football. The, it's going to be who wins in the trenches for Wisconsin offensively to go at this defensive line, but also defensively for for them to get some pressure you mentioned the interior linemen be a little bit mixed up shaken up uh I, I think you know Jim Leonard's defense is predicated on pressure you're going to need to get some pressure uh, on a guy like Sean Clifford uh, and if you can get in his face and, and make him make mistakes um, that will hopefully take you know some of the pressure off of your secondary who's going to be covering um, some really high quality receivers so it all kind of works as one cohesive unit as you move forward all right we always do this last week or last year. We started doing this. Which player do you think we'll be talking about come Sunday? Um, I think the easy answer is is Graham Mertz and um, as well as Sean Clifford, just because the quarterback position is so important. But but I think for me, I think the player that's really we're going to be able to have a lot of um, discussion about is going to be Ches Malusi and his play. Um, we don't really know what to expect from him. The Badgers. Um, have a, have a kid who came in and just won the running back battle over, you know, the presumptive favorite in Berger. Um, and so I think how many touches does he get and what can he do with the ball in his hands is going to be um, a really intriguing thing for me to watch. And I think that we're going to be talking a lot about his play come Sunday because I do think he's going to have a good game um, and, and make the most of his opportunities. I like that pick uh, a lot. I think he's going to be really crucial to establishing the run, getting that offense uh, in a balanced position where they can hopefully spark plug a run game that struggled last year. Um, For me, I'll go ahead and say maybe the mix of of Keanu Benton and and Leo Chennault. The guys inside, I think you could see a lot where Keanu Benton is is causing havoc but maybe not showing up in the stat sheets in terms of tackles and sacks. and, And Leo Chennault is a guy that's maybe coming down and really attacking that middle of of that Penn State offensive line and hopefully creating pressure and, and really attacking and, and getting in there and disrupting plays. We know that we've talked about it so much. He's a guy that um, has the potential to be a disruptor and I think likely will, and, and they've got an opportunity um, for those two up the middle to really kind of try and feast on a younger and inexperienced offensive line that is going to be playing in front of, you know, uh, you know in terms of home field advantage this year, It'll be even more ruckus crowd, I hope, uh, at Camp Randall on Saturday morning, afternoon. Um, so I'll, I'll circle those two as guys to, that I think we could be really talking about as we move forward. Oh, I, I think those are great picks as well, specifically Benton. I think he's going to be able to, to to do some nice things in that game. And, and I, I think Chanel's just, you know, primed for a huge year. All right, well, that brings us to the score prediction. What do you have as your thinking for a result? Um, and what will be the final score Saturday afternoon? 
I mentioned that game uh, that uh, I still have nightmares about in the Badgers tackling. Um, I think Wisconsin's going to flip the script. Um, that year they lost 24-31 to Penn State, um, a down Penn State team who was you know, littered with a bunch of guys um, that weren't able to play as well as a bunch of guys uh, with because of limited scholarships. So I'm going to say that the Badgers turn it around this time and they win 31-24. Um, I, I think this is going to be a close game, but I do think that Wisconsin will, will pull away. The money is going towards Wisconsin here, and I do think that just home field advantage this year, as especially early as teams are trying to get back into the swing of being it with a hostile crowd, I think it's going to favor the Badgers, and I think it's going to go Wisconsin's way. Yeah, I have to agree with you. I think Wisconsin right now comes in, um, you know, in a good spot. I kind of like that they're catching this Penn State team to open the season. When you talk about they've got new faces up front on defense, they've got a new offensive system that they're putting in where maybe that might hinder them a little bit, and having to try and implement those things on the road in a hostile, hostile environment, um, I think – well, Wisconsin has questions of their own. I think the Badgers have a little bit less, and you get this game at home, which will hopefully benefit, and hopefully they got some of that other stuff that, that plagued them last season cleaned up. So I'll go 27-23. I think it'll be a close game. I'm hoping that you know I'm wrong and that Penn, or that Wisconsin defense just comes out and, and, and prevents them from getting to even 23, but I think it'll be around there, maybe tight, low scoring early, and then uh, the Badgers – pull away, but maybe Penn State makes it uh, interesting. So I think right around you know, the numbers five and a half in terms of the spread, I think that's uh, a lot of points, and the total I think is right on the right on the spot of, of 50 right now. So uh, I'll go 27-23. Wisconsin picks up a huge win to start the season. Yeah, and, and I wouldn't be surprised if Wisconsin can get things going on, uh, offensively if it's not um, a lower score for, by Penn State just because – um, mm-hmm. Like you mentioned, their offense trying to get in rhythm, and I totally agree. This is, I think, this is a Penn State team that's going to be much improved come like week six, where they have established their identity on offense and and can move the ball a little bit more. I think Wisconsin lucked out to have them early, and um, I, I think that the Badgers are going to cover the spread. All right, there you have it. We've got predictions for you on the Penn State Wisconsin game. We'll get to now some picks for the rest of the Big Ten schedule. Uh, a ton of games, of course, starting Thursday night with Ohio State, Minnesota. Um, I, I think we're both probably going to be in agreement here, but who do you have um, winning that Ohio State and Minnesota contest? I think it'll be Ohio State will win, but I do think it's going to be closer than expected just because of um, I, th- I think their stadium, TCF Bank, is going to be rocking because they're going to have the number number four team in the country in town, and just I do think that Minnesota will be better than they were last year, and Ohio State is still trying to to work in a new quarterback. So I think that will lead to it maybe being closer than than you would expect, but um, I do think that Ohio State will take care of the Gophers. Yeah, I think straight up you you got to pick Ohio State here. I think Minnesota will give them a good test. I mean, Ohio State breaking in a new quarterback, breaking in um, some new pieces on the defensive side at the linebacker position in in Minnesota. While they did have a down year, I think they get some guys back, and and they're a very experienced team at home. Um, Maybe keep that close. I know the spread's sitting right at 14, which has got a lot of attraction um, from both sides of the number, but I'll take Ohio State straight up. Moving on down the line, Western Michigan, 
is going to the big house to take on the Michigan Wolverines. Who do you have in that contest? Um, I got Michigan. I think they'll take care of take care of business. I'm interested to see what they look like in uh, you know under new leadership at the quarterback position, but I do think that they will coast over Western Michigan. I'm going to go with in agreement with you there. Um, I know Western Michigan's a team that brings back a lot of experience, and and that will will benefit them and the MAC. Uh, maybe if you're looking at the points, but seven plus 17 is maybe a little appetizing, but. I do think Michigan has enough talent on their roster to at least find a way uh, to, to win this game despite a hostile little in-state uh, smaller school coming to them. All right, up next, an interesting one, uh, Oregon State traveling to Purdue. What do you have in that contest? I think that's going to be a really good game. I think those are equally matched teams in a lot of ways, especially when you look at where they stand in the pecking order of their respective conferences. Um, I think for me, just looking at these two teams, I'm going to go with the home team um, and and really just once again look at, okay, well, who's home? And that's Purdue in this case. So you're looking at body clock from Oregon State coming all the way to Purdue, um, switching time zones. I'm going to go with, with the Boilermakers. All right. I'm going to go ahead and be a little different here. I'm going to take Oregon State. I just It's not really a, a – a, te- a testament to, to Oregon State. I just don't really like anything Purdue has right now. <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, I, I think David Bell's is. Yeah, exactly. And it's just so it, that's a little bit messy as we move forward. And um, so I'll take them just because it's hard to even know what Purdue's got. I mean, you look David Bell, um, George Karloff is on defense, and then then who knows. So, all right, up next we'll go ahead. Oh, we missed one Thursday game in Temple and Rutgers before we get to the rest of the Saturday slate. Who do you like in that matchup? Go with Rutgers, um, just because I think they'll be better. But um, I wouldn't be shocked if Temple makes things interesting. Yeah, I have to agree with you. I don't know what what Temple's going to be, so I'll I'll go with Rutgers with the the return of the fans for the home opener with Greg Schiano. All right, another Saturday contest, interesting one. Of course, Illinois coming in off their big win. Um, getting UT San Antonio, which it looks like a pretty um, talented team coming in. I think you look at one, it, it would be funny if, if UTSA came in and, and knocked them off after a big win, but who do you like in this matchup? I'm going to go with Illinois, but once again, I wouldn't be shocked if UTSA makes that interesting. I think they're a, a really talented team that could, can do some nice things. So I, I would I would put them on upset alert as a team that, that especially coming off that that big win like you mentioned it's it's possible yeah i i think i'll go ahead and call it cuz i this is one i had circled as soon as that illinois game wrapped up um i'll take utsa because i think this it's a really interesting sandwich spot you got nebraska they've got illinois got virginia next week Art Sitkowski, i just don't buy it i think this is a team where you all of a sudden you're really high with illinois and then you might drop down to the, the lowest of the lowest. So I'll go ahead and, and call the upset alert. I think um, the Roadrunners with Sincere McCormick might pull off the upset there. All right. Um, we've got a Friday night game as well. Uh, Michigan State taking on heading to Evanston to take on Northwestern. Who do you like in that contest? That's going to be a rock fight, I think, <laughs> at this point. Like, I just have a hard time figuring out this game. I don't know what Hunter Johnson's going to be, you know, back for as the starter. Michigan State hasn't even named their starting quarterback yet, so 
I'm going to just, once again, I'm going to run with the home team here and say Northwestern. Uh, I know they're losing a ton here, but at the same time, I don't know where Michigan State is at in terms of their development under Mel Tucker yet. Yeah, I think for me, I I wouldn't love either side of this game. I'm going to take Michigan State just because I know I've been harping on all of what Northwestern's lost, and I know it's still that home field magic of of Ryan Field and and Evanston, but um, I just think it's a lot to try and replace, so I've been harping on it all season. I've got to stick with it here. All right, we'll go to now West Virginia and Maryland. Really interesting game um, Saturday, uh, 3.30 on ESPN. Who do you like in that one? Neither, um, <laughs> once again. Um, but I'll, I'll say West Virginia just because I have a hard time seeing that the Big Ten is going to make a clean sweep. I think Maryland um, might be the better team, but at the same time, you, you never know in, in opening games. Maybe West Virginia gets them looking. Um, I, I love their head coach um, for West Virginia. Maybe he can um, get them going, Neil Brown. Uh, yeah, this one's for me. I'm going to go with Maryland because I did pick them as the surprise team, so it would be a very big letdown spot for them to, to drop that one to start the season at home. Uh, but I think this will be a, an underrated game and, and a really strong slate uh, that people should pay attention to. All right, maybe another one of the headliners for the Big Ten, Indiana traveling to Iowa for their opener, 2.30 on the Big Ten Network. Who do you like in that one? I'm, I'm going to go with Iowa. I I just have a hard time seeing the ball bounce away as many times as it did last year. Once again, this year, a tough schedule to open up their year. But, but really, I think this is a game that they're going to win, and then it'll kind of set up that Iowa State-Iowa game um, to even a higher level than it was going into this week. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head. Indiana just benefited from a lot of bounces um, last year. It's hard to repeat that, and Iowa is a team I think is, is pretty well suited to maybe be under a little bit under the radar, especially in this one. So I'll go ahead and agree with you with the Hawkeyes there. All right, to wrap it up, um, Fordham taking on Nebraska. Is there any chance Scott Frost drops this one, or do they go ahead and take care of a business against Fordham? I can't imagine <laughs> that they would lose this one, but boy, oh boy, if if they drop that one, there's no way he's he's making the the bus ride home. I agree with you. It would be hilarious, but I can't uh, can't go ahead and put uh, a, out on a limb that uh, Nebraska will be falling on that one. All right, guys, that wraps up our portion of the show. We hope you enjoyed it. It was fun to be back talking some football, making some predictions. Um, now we got our ad reads. We'll get those out of the way, and then we'll get into our interview with Bill DeLafippo of uh, Roar Lions Roar. He hopped on to give us an even bigger insider info on the Penn State Nittany Lions. So hopefully you guys will enjoy that, and hopefully you guys will enjoy the contest on Saturday. So stick with us through our ad reads. We'll be back with you shortly. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. 
The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. All right, Badger fans, we are now joined by our Penn State insider, Bill DeFilippo of Uprocks and Roar Lions Roar blog. Very insightful into everything Penn State and the Nittany Lions. Um, so if you guys are looking for more insider info, make sure to go check them out over there. Uh, really intriguing matchup on deck, so we're happy to have you on. Uh, Bill, before we get into it, how are you today? I'm doing great, Tyler. Uh, I, as I mentioned to you before we were uh, we started, I was literally in the midst of doing a Wisconsin, my pod, uh, a Wisconsin uh, preview with Drew Ham. So it all worked out uh, incredibly well that you hit me up five minutes into that. And, uh, <laughs> glad, I'm glad to take some of the knowledge that I think I got from that one and apply it to here to make it sound like I know what I'm talking about. There you go. There you go. Well, Let's uh, we can hop right into it. I mean, last year, obviously, a weird year for everyone in the world. I mean, Wisconsin football, Penn State as well. You know, Penn State in one in one way started lowest kind of a lows, going 0 and 5, but rebounded to 4 and 5. So, as a fan base, how much do you take from that year? Because I know Wisconsin fans try not to take too much, but sometimes you really look deep into it. So, what was last year kind of like, and, and how much can you really take to try and gain from that? Uh, so for me personally, uh, last season was great because, uh, I had a, my, my dog, like I got a dog that showed up in the fourth quarter of the Penn State Indiana game and then Penn State lost that game and those two things coming together, uh, led to me going, yeah, I don't really care about this. Uh, but in all seriousness, uh, it was a weird year for Penn State, as it was for a lot of college football teams. Um, I, it, it was just kind of a Murphy's Law thing, where everything that could go wrong for the Nittany Lions did go wrong. Before the season even started, uh, Micah Parsons, their star linebacker, uh, opted out. And by the time the Big Ten decided it was going to play a season, you know, Micah had already done all the stuff that he was supposed to do to get ready for the NFL draft and lost his college eligibility uh, Journey Brown, their star running back, uh, was ruled out with a heart condition just before the start of the season. So basically the two bedrocks of Penn State's team, um, their star running back who they thought had the potential to be an All-American and their star linebacker who they thought had the potential to be the best defensive player in the country, um, were out just like within a month of the season starting. Add in the fact that they brought in a brand new offensive coordinator and a new, brand new offensive line coach, and neither of them really got to do anything in the lead up to the season. And just little bit by little bit, that first game against Indiana, you know, Penn State had it won. Indiana wins with a controversial two point conversion that, you know, there's. I know a lot of people in my neck of the woods still think Michael Penix for short, uh, but they lose that. They then lose to Ohio State uh, the week after, which, you know, obviously no shame in losing to Ohio State. But then the following week, demolished by Maryland. The following week, struggled against Nebraska. The following week, demolished by Iowa. And by the time the, that Michigan game rolled around and they started to turn their season around, there's just kind of a general sense of apathy and I say all of that to say in the lead-up to this season, it seems like there are a lot of Penn State fans who are just really worried. Um, you know, 
optimistic about what this team has the potential to be because there's a lot of talent. There's a new offensive coordinator in, uh, all these sorts of things, but a little bit worried because like last season, Penn State is starting it off with a really, really tough road trip against a really, really good team. And there's just a general sense of fear that, you know, maybe last year wasn't everything going wrong. Maybe last year was was a sign of something a little, you know, the roots in this program being a little more rotten than we thought. James Franklin has kind of made that his mantra that last year is last year. They're going to be moving on to this year, and they're re- feeling really good about where they are. But, you know, you just have that little voice in the back of your head, I think, as a fan base going, yeah, you know what, I just don't know. And ultimately, that's it. A lot yeah. of Penn State fans are just waiting to see what ends up happening at uh, Camp Randall this weekend. Yeah, I think that, I think it's similar feeling for a lot of Badger fans with the way last year went. Just some some things that hopefully were last year, but until you see it in front of you, right? It's it's hard to know. But I'm glad you mentioned the offensive coordinator. Of course, the third coordinator in three years, but in steps Mike Yurkich, who, for listeners that don't know, known for some explosive offenses previously with. Oklahoma State and Ohio State and Texas. So a guy that comes in as as someone who really knows what they're doing on the offensive side of the football. What do you expect to see from the offense that maybe will be different um, this year compared to last with, of course, uh, a new OC? Well, I'm going to just mention who the offensive coordinator was uh, before Mike Yersich because I think think Wisconsin fans will have a pretty good idea of the kind of football – this dude wanted to play, but his name was Kirk Soraka. Mm-hmm. He was the offensive coordinator at Minnesota during that one really magical season where I believe they won 10 games and ended up beating Penn State. But uh, Soraka was a little – he was a bit of a weird fit kind of from the beginning. Uh, the way that James Franklin has the, – the, the way that James Franklin has wanted his offense to play, and he's been very clear about this, he wants Penn State – to win the turnover battle, which every coach wants that. And then the big thing that Penn State wants is big plays. Penn State wants its offense to be a big play offense, one that is going to throw haymakers and really get the defense rattled. I mean, there's for the fans of the work of Bill Connolly out there, that is basically part of what his four factors are uh, in determining SP+. Winning big plays and how they are able to impact the football game. Penn State really didn't have a lot of big plays last year, and it's unclear whether or not that was Soraka's hire, the circumstances under which the coach that I just laid out a second ago about coming in and not getting to work with guys, or if that was just a matter of Journey Brown getting uh, being unable to play, Sean Clifford not really understanding the offense, some really young options at wide receivers, standout tight end Pat Fryermuth getting hurt, all these sorts of things. But at the end of the day, Penn State ultimately decided we want to move on. Uh, they brought in Mike Yurisich, who is an offensive coordinator who comes from – he was at Oklahoma State, and he did some really, really fun things there. Uh, he was the guy who was the offensive coordinator during uh, the years of those really good Mason Rudolph teams that always seemed like they were playing basketball on grass. Went up to Columbus uh, for a year, spent a year under Ryan Day. Uh, the first year of Justin Fields' time. Uh, I don't believe he called plays or anything like that, but he has that little bit of background. And then last year went to Texas, where, again, another program that wanted to uh, make big plays behind, uh, you know, under Tom Herman. So he brings 
what I think is a little bit more in line with what James Franklin wants, whether or not it's going to be a lot of trying to recapture the magic that Penn State had under Joe Moorhead, or whether it's completely giving the reins over to your assistant saying, Mike, this is your show, do something special with it. That remains to be seen, but as I talk to Penn State fans, one of the big reasons that I hear for optimism is the fact that they're bringing in an offensive coordinator who seems like he has a level of ruthlessness around him that Penn State has maybe been lacking the last couple of years. Yeah, I think back to some of those offenses of Oklahoma State, and you can definitely see why there would be some mm-hmm. excitement to put up some points there. I'm kind of kind of glad Wisconsin's getting them that opening week um, before maybe things get settled in. But heading up the offense, of course, is a familiar name that Badger fans likely know in Sean Clifford. Of course, up and down year last year, you mentioned you know him maybe struggling to learn the offense, kind of getting you know him and Will Levis going interchanging for what seemed like uh, a few games. How do you think he now responds in 2021? Because, again, I know we could talk about 2020, but what do you expect maybe from him going into this year? So my entire thing with Sean Clifford has been, I think that when the game gets a little bit too fast and a little bit too hectic and he gets, he gets thrown out of a rhythm, that's when it seems like he runs into issue. I mean, there was a, you know, a quote that uh, Jahan Dotson, uh, Penn State star wide receiver, gave today where, and apologies, this is not the direct quote, but it's just uh, someone who was at the press conference said, I feel like the biggest area is Sean's decision-making. Coach Yurchich, when he came in, he felt like Sean had too much of his plate. He was worried about too much, and that Yurchich has come in and taken a load off Clifford's shoulders, and he's now just playing football. And I think that's about right. When you watch Sean Clifford, really over his two years at Penn State, when he's really just out there playing and he's in a rhythm, and this is part of the reason why I'm so worried about playing this constant week one, uh, when he's out there and he's just playing and he's just doing his thing, he's a really good arm. He's able to make plays happen. You know, a few years before you know, that 2019 season, uh, his accuracy was down a little bit. Uh, he completed 60.6% of his passes last year compared to 592 the year before. But I think that was because they got him more comfortable with attacking opposing defenses down the field. Uh, obviously, part of that was having an NFL wide receiver in KJ Hamler, but Clifford in 2020, uh, 7.5 yards per attempt, 16 touchdowns, 9 interceptions. Uh, year before that, 8.3 yards per attempt, 23 touchdowns, and 7 interceptions. So there's a good quarterback in there. And I think that's the thing, like, that's really the thing that's going to determine this Penn State season, whether or not we're able to get a Sean Clifford who isn't, you know, doesn't have happy feet, isn't trying to force throws, isn't trying to win games by himself. And it sounds like that has been a priority for Mike Yersich ever since he got the Happy Valley, which is something that I think has the potential to uh, be really beneficial to Penn State football this season. I think the other thing I wanted to ask quickly offensively was was the offensive line. I know last year there were some times where it, it got a little leaky, a lot of pressure and sacks. Where does the line look this year compared to last? If that, I think when I was reading up on some um, preseason write-ups and stuff, sounds like there's some new faces on that line uh, to maybe try and shore up that front. Well, it's actually very interesting that you say that because I mentioned Soraka coming in as the new offensive coordinator, the other big change uh, that Penn State made uh, heading into last season 
was it parted ways with its former offensive line coach and brought in Phil Troutwine, uh, formerly former play, formerly a player at Florida, had a little NFL career, but was the offensive line coach at Boston College and viewed as you know uh, an upstart name in offensive line coaching. Was a very good player while he was at Florida and won a couple of rings. The issue was that despite the fact that Penn State's offensive line was quite talented last season, uh, had a guy who at one point I believe was a five-star center in Michael Mennett, a former four-star tackle, Will Fries, pair of guys played a lot of football. They just didn't have a lot of time to learn what they needed to do out there. And when your offensive line struggles, everything else struggles. But coming into this season, Penn State has some a bunch of guys who have played a decent amount of football. Left tackle Rasheed Walker is a guy who I think – has some NFL potential. Uh, while there's only one other guy who has had extended run as a starter uh, in Mike Miranda, who's going to be playing center after being a guard in the past, the other three guys along Penn State's offensive line, uh, Des Holmes and uh, Juice Scruggs at the guards and Kid Wallace at the other tackle, all of this is presumed, uh, they're guys who have played a decent amount of football, even if it hasn't been in a starting role. Uh, the other name to watch there is a guy by the name of Eric Wilson, a grad transfer from Harvard. Obviously, they didn't play last season uh, and is expected to come in and push for one of those guard spots. So I'm actually really excited to watch the offensive line play. I did feel like it was a bit of a letdown last year because of circumstances outside of their control. And now they've had that full offseason. Now they've had plenty of time to learn, and I'm just really fascinated in seeing what they are able to do now that they have had time to actually, um, you know, for lack of a better word, figure out what they're doing out there. Talk a lot of offense. Let's switch to defense here and, and talk about – I know there was some, some new faces coming into the defensive line, it sounds like, and then, um, you know, a lot of returning production maybe in the linebacker room. Uh, of course, you mentioned Mike Parsons not being there last year. He's, of course, a name that maybe Badger fans were familiar with, but he's now um, looking pretty good in hard knocks <laughs> for the Dallas Cowboys. But what do you take uh, from the Penn State defense right now? Because I know last year, um, big amount of points in the early part of the season during that losing streak, but really seemed to tighten it up in, in the latter half of the year. So I feel pretty good about the uh, back seven of Penn State's defense. Uh, it has a couple of five-star linebackers in Brandon Smith and Curtis Jacobs with a guy in the middle in Ellis Brooks who's played a lot of football uh, and is really, you know, is a really good footballing brain. He's not exactly the dynamic athlete that you might expect. But he's a guy who knows where to be, who knows where to get other guys to be. And the secondary is potential to be one of the best in the country. Joey Porter Jr. and Tariq Castro-Fields both played a ton of football. And uh, when, at least in Castro-Fields case, when he's been healthy, but they've both been exceptional uh, when they have been out here. Porter was a revolution, uh, not revolution, a revelation for Penn State last season. Uh, Jaquan Brisker is one of the best safeties in the country. They need to figure out the guy next to him. That sounds like it's going to be uh, a guy by the name of Jair Brown who played a little bit last season, but seems like he's done a really good job grabbing a starting job. The question, uh, and this is why I absolutely hate that, they, at least from the defensive perspective, that they are playing Wisconsin week one is that Penn State has a lot of questions on its defensive line. Both of its uh, ends from last season, Shaka Tony and Odafe Owe, have moved on to the NFL. Uh, they have questions at defensive tackle at beyond one dude 
Uh, P.J. Mustafer was a really good player for them last season. And then defensive end, they suffered a huge loss in the guy they thought was going to turn into the anchor of that pass rush, Adisa Isaac, getting hurt before the season and now being out for the – I believe he's out for the duration here. I'm not 100% certain on that, though. So Penn State's defensive line is a bunch of questions. I think if Wisconsin ends up winning this game, it is because they are going to toss Penn State around in the trenches. But like a lot of defensive lines, it's a group with talent. It's a group with guys who – have played a little bit of football. Mustafers and uh, Fred Hansard are the two guys who played a ton for Penn State. Uh, Duke grad transfer tackle Derek Tangelo uh, and uh, Temple grad transfer defensive end Arnold Ebiketti have played a lot at their various schools. But that's a big old question mark, and that's probably the thing that you need to look out for heading into this game. It's just, is Penn State able to win up front with any amount of consistency? Because that if they can't, it might be a very long day for this Penn State defense because of how Wisconsin's able to run the football. Yeah, it seems like a game that is, is really, you know, it's Big Ten football, getting one in the trenches, but that's certainly mm-hmm. going to be a matchup to watch for as you move forward into Saturday. All right, to end it, Bill, why don't we go ahead, give us your, I don't know if you like giving score predictions or not. I know sometimes people don't like it, but give us your prediction for Saturday from a Penn State perspective. Uh, oh, God. <laughs> it's so Tough, man, because, like, I there there is I could see anything, honestly, anything happening in this game. I could see Penn State. Uh, Penn State has not lost to Wisconsin since 2011. They've played three times since then, uh, once in Madison uh, when Bill O'Brien and Gary Anderson was around, twice with James Franklin and Paul Christ as the coach. Neither of those times have been in Madison. And Penn State's won all of those games. I think Franklin pro. I think he has a pretty decent idea of how he wants to play and how he thinks Wisconsin is going to play. There's going to be some level of comfort there. The issue is that I think there's a big difference between a level of comfort and an ability to execute whatever you want to do out there. And if we know one thing about Wisconsin is that they're going to execute. So in my heart of hearts, I probably think Wisconsin – is going to win. Uh, I think it's going to be a close game. Uh, I think that if Penn State is able to win, it's because they look like the kind of team that is able to live up to the various four and five stars they have everywhere. But it just seems like a safer bet that Wisconsin is going to win this game. I think they're something like five, yeah, five and a half point favorites. Line is fifty um, or something in that range of like what would that be 27 23 28 22 like just that general ballpark of football game sounds right I don't think this is going to be a particularly beautiful game but I think Wisconsin wins I would also say ask me again on game day because once we get to opening kick I will be uh, convinced that Penn State's going to win this one by four <laughs> you got to have that confidence no matter what yeah I, I agree with you I was trying to Right up our, our betting preview for the site, and I've been just sitting here going, man, oh man, that five points seems to be right on the spot in terms of in terms of the spread. So trying to figure out which way to write this up has been one that I've been battling with all day. But Bill, we appreciate you uh, taking the time um, to hop on and talk about this game. It should be a fascinating matchup, and uh, yeah, we really appreciate you coming on. And I really appreciate the opportunity to talk about this game, Tyler. It's uh, been great talking to you, buddy. All right, Badger fans, that wraps up another episode of the podcast, as always, on Wisconsin.
Thank you.